Okay, I want to talk to you about prayer. And prayer is simply talking to God. It is fellowshipping with the Father. And corporate prayer supply. And the strength of our supply is determined by our intimacy with the Father. I want to read something to you out of my daily delight in the Lord. To delight in someone is to take great pleasure in being in his or her presence. Oswald Chambers once wrote, it is a joy to Jesus when a person takes time to walk more intimately with the Father. When we come to the place of delighting in the Lord, we come to the place of intimacy, the secret place. The Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. It's in him that I trust. You know, we have to set a priority. And we can read here where many people in the Bible had that such priority. Abraham rose early to go to the mount. The Lord commanded him to go. Moses rose, rose early to go to Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded him to do. Joshua rose early in the morning as the Lord commanded them to walk. Samuel's parents rose early to worship the Lord. And time and time again we read about Jesus, how he always went alone to pray to the Father. So there is an effort, there's effort involved in setting time aside to pray to the Father. I like what the Apostle Paul says, my determined purpose is that I might know him, that I may progressively, see you don't, um, you don't go to kindergarten on Monday and graduate from the university on Tuesday. There's an element of time involved, amen. So it is with the Lord. It's a progressive step to get to that place of intimacy. So Paul says that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. That needs to be our testimony, yes. that I hunger. Oh, Lord, I want to know you more intimately, more intimately. And so the strength of our supply when we come to corporate prayer is determined by our intimacy with the Father. Okay. Intimacy, it is cultivated in the secret place. Today I'm going to be talking about the prayer of intercession. And intercession is partnering with the Father. It's partnering with Father God. It is praying out his burden. See, I learned a lot when I was traveling with the ministry team of Reinhard Bonnke. Have you all heard of Reinhard Bonnke? And it was in the early days when he had his first tent meetings. And the Lord had spoken to them one day that in this next tent meeting, he was going to do something. He wanted to do something very, very special during that crusade. Well, nothing happened on Monday. It didn't happen on Tuesday. It didn't happen Wednesday and Thursday. Well, as usual, we always, well, God always shows up at the last minute. So Friday came, 
and Friday went and it didn't happen and so they prayed and they said Lord we know that you had said you wanted to do something special but why didn't you what happened and the Lord said because you didn't partner with me you had to pray it through what I want to do I want to do but I need you to bring your supply I need you to partner with me I need you to pray it through that's a great revelation you know God does not do anything you weren't saved automatically you had to partner with God you have to partner to be filled with the Holy Ghost you have to partner to be healed we have to partner with God's plan and purpose for our life amen so the prayer of intercession I want to look at first of all in first Timothy chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 therefore I exhort first of all so we already just read about Abraham Moses how they had a prior priority they woke up early well this is a priority to God when he says first I exhort you first that supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority and then he tells us why why does he want us to do this so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and there is no expiration date on that scripture he will always want us to live in a quiet peaceable and a godly life amen that is his desire and we can pray that through amen you know sometimes people say well it is what it is no no when you say, well, it is what it is, to me, that's telling me, okay, you just put a seal, a seal on what is. In other words, you're saying, there's no hope for change. It's a hopeless situation. It is what it is. No. Don't ever say that. It isn't what it is. No. All things are subject to change. As we partner with the Lord, we have to partner with him. So I want to talk through the prayer of intercession. I'm going to talk first about the structure of intercession. I'm going to talk about the expression of intercession and then the action or the power of intercession. So intercession is, first of all, it's a supportive ministry. It is not an office. It is not one of the five-fold ministry gifts. It's like the palm of your hand. The palm of your hand supports five fingers. The, the prayer of intercession supports the five-fold ministry gifts. Amen. The apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Intercession, intercessors, it's not an office. It's a supportive ministry to support the five-fold ministry gifts. Intercession is not just a prayer meeting. It is a lifestyle of partnering with God getting into the secret place where he will reveal secrets right. see it's a secret from the world but it's not a secret from us right. there's never going to be secrets from us but when you go into the secret place secrets are revealed in the secret place so we are partnering with God we are praying out God's burden now intercession is first mentioned in Isaiah and I want to read it to you out of the Amplified. It's Isaiah 53, verse 12. 
Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, with kings and rulers, and he shall divide the spoil with the mighty, because he poured out his life unto death, and he let himself be regarded as a criminal, and be numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore and took away the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is Jesus. He was the great intercessor. An intercessor is one who takes the place of another. And what I want to focus on today um, is standing in the gap for our nation. Because if we don't stand in the gap for the nation, your whole personal life is affected. So we've got to go to the root. We've got to start at the top. Amen. Amen. So intercession has its foundation like that of a two-edged sword. Two-edged sword. One side is called warfare. The other side is called travail. This two-edged sword, it cuts on both sides. Both sides are equally sharp, and both sides have a purpose. And we need both sides working together. And both sides must be inspired by the Holy Spirit because we are partnering with God we are partnering we are praying out God's will and once again why so that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness once again no expiration on that scripture so the two edges so we're going to look at the first side we're going to look at the side warfare first so in warfare you are facing Satan in the name of Jesus on behalf of a person or America or a nation. In warfare, you push back demonic plots. And if there's ever a demonic plot that we need to push back and stop right now, if you haven't heard about it, it's the Equality Act. And it is about as demonic as any act ever will be and we will lose everything. It is not equal at all. It definitely, have you all heard about that? Wow, that has got to be a priority that we have. It was passed in the House, we've got to pray that that does not get passed in the Senate. It's just beyond my comprehension of how people think. But anyway, warfare is, is very, very forceful. It's uh, we're, we're pushing back the spirit of darkness. We're pushing back demonic plots. It's as though it's, it's, it's very forceful. If you can just imagine, um, I got to go to the Indy 500 one time. My cousin had pit passes. So I'm, I was on the ground when that lady said, gentlemen, start your engines. And I thought, oh boy, I mean the whole ground shook, you know. But you know, they're going 200 miles an hour. If you can imagine a head-on collision with two cars going 100, 200 miles an hour, that is a very forceful impact. Yeah. That's what warfare is like. It's very, very forceful. Or it's like, um, like I have a hammer in my kitchen. You might have a little, one of those little kitchen hammers, and you just use it for a little tap, 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 you know. <laughs> but there's also a sledgehammer. A sledgehammer is a lot more forceful than that little tap, tap kitchen hammer. It's very, very, very forceful, very powerful, and it's intended to have the right results. Amen. It's very, very 
forceful. I like what it says in, in Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve, because in warfare, the violent we are very violent. We have to be very violent against demonic activity. In Matthew eleven twelve, it says, "From the days of John the Baptist until now." I thought, now, today, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violent, what do we do? We take it by force. We got that sledgehammer. I mean, we got the Holy Ghost power. We're taking it by force. Amen. So right now, there is much demonic activity against the church. You know, we talk about, uh, I don't know if you think about the spiritual side of wearing a mask and social distancing. Spiritual side, muffle the gospel. Social distancing, no laying on of hands. That goes against the ordinance of the church. So don't think this is just about to keep you from COVID-19. It's against the church. Mm -hmm. So we need to pray and get that COVID-19 eradicated because they're just using it. And I'm not saying it's not real. You understand what I'm saying? But uh, let's get things in perspective here. <laughs> I told my brother, no, I'm not getting the flu shot. <laughs> this is up to me. Never mind. <laughs> but <laughs> I said, I've never had a flu shot. Anyway, so but right now, so we, the church, we need to be violent against. Because the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. No expiration date on that scripture. But we have to partner with God to stop it. We must rise up with Holy Ghost fire and take back what the devil has stolen and what he's continually trying to steal. But what has he stolen? Premature, so many people have had premature deaths because of COVID-19. We have lost lives. Jobs, businesses, restaurants, totally shut down. Businesses destroyed. Some will never get back. I mean, that, that it's horrible. The economy. And again, the, the attack against the church. Constitutional rights. The devil has stolen a lot, and we've got to get that back and stop him from stealing anymore in Jesus' name. We, the church, have the power and the assignment to take back what the devil stole. We must partner with God. When I was living in Europe, <clears throat> and uh, I asked, I was in Berlin, Germany, and I asked the pastor, no, I think this happened when I was in Slovakia, I was in Slovakia at the time, <clears throat> and I asked the pastor, I said, uh, were you ever afraid when you had the underground church? And he said, no, we weren't afraid, but it wasn't because we were so brave. It's because it just became so normal that we had to hide, that we had to change locations every single time we met. So it wasn't was because of bravery, it just was a part of life. We had to hide, we had to have an underground church. But then he said, as prayer got stronger in the church, communism was getting weaker. And he said, so prayer, we just kept praying and praying and praying and we were getting stronger and stronger. And then it got to the place where I was able to cross the border. I went from the east over to the west. He said, when I crossed the border, 
and I got to the West, he said something I'll never forget. He said, I saw freedom. He said, I saw freedom. And I saw color. Do you know they took color away from people? All they could wear was black, white, or gray. All the buildings, black, white, or gray. They had zero color. They stripped them of everything. And he said, I crossed the border and I saw freedom. And I saw color. I just ought to keep from weeping when he said that. And he said, so I was able to, uh, I went to some, a prayer group. And he said, I brought some literature back home. And when I crossed the border, the Gestapo, they saw my literature. And so they took it from me, and then they assigned spies to spy on me. And uh, he said it, it got kind of concerning, especially for my wife, because whenever we went someplace, now the spies got there even before we got there. So we know our phone was also tapped. We had, we had no privacy whatsoever. <clears throat> and he said, but prayer just kept getting stronger, and communism was getting weaker. And then the Berlin Wall went down. And he said, if I remember correctly, it was like, you can actually go on the website and look this up. But it was six or seven weeks after, right after the Berlin Wall went down, then in the country of Czechoslovakia, which is where he was when I was talking to him, in the country of Czechoslovakia, they had what they called the Velvet Revolution. In other words, communism stopped in Czechoslovakia one day and they called it velvet because there was no violence the communists said we're done we're done and he said the spies that were spying on him came to his house and said do you know where we can get a job <laughs> but they called it velvet in one day it turned around one day things can turn around here because God is not done. Right. But the more we pray, you don't know what's going to happen this afternoon with Donald Trump. He's speaking this afternoon. Who knows? Uh, I'm excited because I'm on the victory side. And we need to stay excited. But I, you can be sure I'm partnering with my Father God. I am partnering with my Father God. But we need to understand, um, if you've ever been to some of those countries. Matter of fact, I asked one of my translators in, when I was in Berlin, I asked her, I said, do you know what it was like when the, when the wall was up? And she looked at me with a shocked look and she said, do I remember? She said, I was caught escaping. I went to prison. She's 19 years old. I went to prison for 13 months. She said, if it was ever horrible, you have no idea. And she said, Marilyn, have you ever seen Checkpoint Charlie? I said, no, I've heard about it. She said, we're going right now. And she took me to Checkpoint Charlie and then right down the street from Checkpoint Charlie. Checkpoint Charlie is still standing there in the middle of the road. Right down the street is the Checkpoint Charlie Museum. And she took me through that museum. And I could hardly keep from crying because I am with a person. They had people going on tours. I am going through Checkpoint Charlie Museum with someone who identified with everything that was in there and explained everything to me. 
We need to pray. Yeah. We need to pray. Because right. the devil's moving. He's moving strong, but he's under our feet. Right. He is under our feet. Right. So, uh, the other side of uh, this two-edged sword is travail. Now, travail, in warfare, you're facing the devil. In travail, we're facing Father God in the name of Jesus on behalf of a person or, we're going to say, America. So, um, in travail, it's not, it isn't forceful. It's very gentle. It's almost like birth pains where because we are birthing uh, the lost into the kingdom. So it's like having birth pangs. It's very smooth. You're coming in. You're coming between the lost and deception. You're coming. You're going to come through. Here's this lost person who's being deceived. You're going to come in between that spirit of deception and the lost and birth them into the kingdom. That's travail. It's coming. You're bringing together. So now that's the structure. Now I want to talk about the expression of warfare and travail. So the expression of warfare, again, you're facing Satan. But in warfare, sometimes we shout. I mean, you just, you know, you're really right at it and you're shouting. And there's nothing wrong with the shouting. But victory is never determined by the volume of your shout. It's determined by the power of the greater one that's on the inside of you. I can remember when I was in the hospital uh, dying. I had hours left to live. Uh, you'll read it in my, my book, My Three Miracles. Hours left to live with malaria. I was healthy on Friday. The following Thursday, I'm down to hours left to live. And uh, the doctor said, Marilyn, if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to do it now because this afternoon is too late. He said, do you understand what I'm saying? I said, I understand. But I said, of course, if you've ever been around somebody who's dying, they're very weak, frail, there's no volume. And I, I wanted to talk to the doctor. I wanted to say, God didn't heal me of cancer so I could die of malaria. <laughs> I said, no, I will not die. But I couldn't, I didn't have any volume. And I fell asleep. And then I woke up. I don't know what time it was. It was, it was dark in the room. It was the middle of the night. My first thought was, I'm still alive. I mean, it was. It was my first thought because I only had hours. And I said, well, several hours have passed. I'm, I'm still alive. And then I thought to myself, as long as I have breath, I have no volume, but I have breath. And as long as I have breath, I can fight. And I was determined. I thought, I'm going to, the devil is going to see me sitting up in bed. I'm going to sit up in this bed. And I took a hold of the support bars on the side of that railing on my bed. And I began, I can't tell you how much it took so much energy to do that, but I pulled and I pulled and I pulled until I was in an upright position. And then in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I did the same thing I was doing throughout the whole week whenever I was conscious enough to do it. I took authority over that spirit of malaria. Yeah. And instantly, one of those suddenly, I thought, oh, I just felt it left. I felt the malaria leave. The fever broke. My fever was 105. It broke. And I, I said, I'm healed. I'm healed. And of course, the doctor was surprised to see me the next morning because he wasn't expecting to see me in that room. He was expecting to see me in another room. But um, I got that victory with no volume, but with power. 
and that's it's not with the but you know what sometimes when I shop it just feels good to shout <laughs> so it's okay if you want to shout but that's not the victory is not determined there we fight spirit to spirit it's not spirit to volume in Zechariah this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord amen so that's the expression. Let's look at the expression of travail. So again, now you're facing your heavenly father. Now, unlike warfare where you want to uh, be loud and shout, travail is oftentimes expressed through weeping. Weeping and groaning and pleading. And, it's, and uh, travail can be very, very intense. Not that warfare can't be. But uh, travail is very earnest, heartfelt appeal. It's just like if you're praying for um, a child, um, maybe your friend's child, and you're, you're standing in agreement for that child to get healed and whole. But when it's your own child, and nothing wrong with it, it's just human nature when it's your own. I mean, there is so, there's another level of depth. You know what I'm saying? Well, in travail, you can get to that level in travail, that deep, deep, deep heart cry, very, very intense. But sometimes people say, but I don't know why I, I cry when I pray. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. The weeping, what you're doing is you are crying, you are weeping out, crying out God's burden. So you don't want to, don't quench that. Because that weeping, that is the Lord crying through you. So you want to yield to it because there's an anointed weeping. And if you quench that, then you're going to quench the anointing. And you will quench the power that the Lord is trying to bring forth. So don't ever quench the weeping. Uh, not everybody weeps, but sometimes if you do, you want to yield to it. But most important, it must be from the Holy Ghost. You can't, don't fake it. Don't fake it. I've been in a lot of prayer, different, different prayer meetings where people are just getting emotional and they're just wanting attention and all you're doing is you're distracting. The Holy Spirit never brings distraction. You don't have to get into emotions. I was in a meeting one time, I was preaching in Hong Kong and right afterwards, uh, Rodney Howard Brown was uh, going to be preaching. And it was at the time, remember there used to be a lot of laughter in, in his meetings, and that, that was anointed. Right. But in not every meeting did the Holy Spirit move in that direction. So we're in this big hall there in Hong Kong, and he's preaching, and it was not the anointed time for the laughter. Uh, but there was one person getting very just in the flesh. I mean, flesh, flesh, flesh. <laughs> and she is just shouting out and just, I mean, just carrying on, just carrying on. I have to say, Rodney handled that mm, so perfect, so perfect. And he said, oh, we have uh, the power of the Holy Ghost, something to this effect. Uh, the power of the Holy Ghost is really moving through our sister right now. And it's just wonderful. And, and I, I wouldn't want to interfere anything that the, the Lord is doing through our sister. And so it'd be so nice if uh, a couple of the ushers came and, and helped her to that private room over there so 
because I just would not want to interfere <laughs> anything. Of course, the ushers came. And, yeah. Because if he had handled that any other way, people would have thought, well, who does he think he is? Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, but he handled it well. But you know, when you get into those situations, you better need to know how to handle it. Yeah. But, uh, so you don't want to fake it. You know, and if, if you're in that situation, maybe you just trust the Holy Ghost to help you to help that person. But it's uh, the Holy Spirit never distracts or interrupts himself. Amen. Amen. So you don't want to um, resist that anointing. At 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. So to resist that emotion is to quench the leading of the Holy Spirit. You will quench the power or the effectiveness of what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. Amen. Amen. So if that anointing within, you have the anointing from the Holy One. It has to come out. You have to release that anointing. Amen. So what breaks the Lord's heart, uh, what breaks your heart, breaks the Lord's heart. What breaks the Lord's heart is going to break your heart because you're, you're, you're working with the Holy Spirit. Is this helping you today? Yes. Is it helping you? Because you're praying out God's burden. Yeah. Now, I want to look at something else. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Or you can listen to me because I'm going to read it out of the Phillips translation. 1 John 5, 19. It says, We know that we ourselves are children of God. We also know that the world around us is under the power of the evil one. They're under the influence of the devil. So the ungodly are doing what they are controlled to do because they have yielded to that demonic spirit. So now that demonic spirit is controlling them. And so they are doing what they are controlled to do. The ungodly are deceived. And they are thinking that what they are doing is the right thing. Again, I can't wrap my mind around how you can think murdering babies is the right thing to do. I cannot wrap, the, I cannot imagine that level of deception. Yeah. I, I just can't, I just, it just gives me holy anger. Yeah. But that is deception beyond deception. So, but what is deception? Deception is, it means to be told a lie and you don't know it. You don't know that it's a lie. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You, talking about the ungodly, you are of the, your father the devil, and the, you, and the desires of your father you want to do. That's what it says. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So they are yielding to these lies and don't recognize it's a lie. The devil comes to steal, kill, murder, destroy. Amen. So anything and everything that's under that category, it must be stopped. And it will be stopped as we intercede. It has to be stopped. For the sake of the unborn. For the sake of our own children. For the sake of the church. So that's our job. That is our mandate through warfare and travail. And the Lord has given us authority. Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on serpents, on scorpions, over all the demonic plots of the devil. 
We have to take that authority. We have to use it. So God has given us authority to carry out his will on the earth. He needs our cooperation. Amen. And when you intercede, whether it's in warfare or travail, let me tell you, both heaven and hell are aware of your presence. Both heaven and hell are aware of your presence. Amen. So now we've looked at the structure and the expression. Now I want to talk about the action. The action. Turn to Ezekiel 22, verse 30. Ezekiel 22, 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Let that not be said on our watch. In the New Living Translation, it says, I looked in vain for anyone who would build a wall again, who would build the wall of righteousness that guards the land, who could stand in the gap and defend you from my just acts, but I found no one. For such a time as this, we must fight and protect our nation, which will protect our children and our church. Amen. So listen, it's our responsibility. Our responsibility in intercession is to stand in the gap and build a wall. That's our responsibility. Our power is to guard the land. So once you've built the wall, now you guard it. Your power is to guard the land because God is a just God. He must judge. But therefore, he assigns us to stand in the gap for righteousness, that he will not have to judge. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about this wall. This is so effective. It's talking about the wall of righteousness. This wall has an inner wall and an outer wall. Just like that back wall, that's the inner wall of this room. But if you go outside, it's also the outer wall. So there's two sides to that wall. An inner wall and an outer wall. You can be in your kitchen and see the inner wall of the kitchen, but the other side of the wall could be your dining room. So there's two sides to a wall. So there's two sides <clears throat> to the wall of righteousness. Where we're standing in the gap. So in travail, you're going to stand in the gap and pray for a lost person or the nation. You're going to stand uh, facing the Father. You're going to pray for the godly uh, and the ungodly. For the ungodly, the most effective prayer, you pray for their souls. And then you pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. To the, to, uh, pray the prayers of Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer of the Apostle Paul, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened to the hope of God's calling. Amen. And then for the godly, you want the same prayer, spiritual enlightenment, boldness. I mean, I pray that God stands from the courts of heaven. People like David, Joshua, Caleb, send people that will have a voice of influence, that will be strong. That will be bold. Amen. So, and, and just praying for righteousness. And then we have, we have the outer wall. The outer wall does, they have the outer wall fights, pushing back demonic forces. Um, I want to give you an illustration. I'm going to ask um, this gentleman right here. In the, in, yeah, you come up here. I'm going to have you come up here, stand right here. 
I like your tie. Thank you. You're welcome. You can turn around and face everybody. Max is your shoes. Very, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> now, he's going to represent America, or it could be a lost person. But now, I want three people to come up and stand with him. Three people. Any three. And I want you to hold hands and stand around him. Thanks, guys. No, face him and stand around him. Now, this is the inner wall. These people are facing Father God on behalf of America. They're travailing, praying for spiritual enlightenment for this person, for the nation. I need five more people to come up here. Any five, just quickly. Thank you. Now I want you, I need, thank you. I need, uh, I want you to have your back facing them and also hold hands. We're going to make, hold hands all the way around. Will five do it? Yeah, okay. Now they just built the outer wall. So you've got the inner wall travailing, the outer wall warfare. So what the outer wall is going to be doing, they're pushing back all those influences. They're pushing back the lies of the devil. They're pushing back all those demonic forces, pushing them back, pushing them back, pushing them back. So while, while they are travailing and praying for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened, for example, let's just say that was a person that was maybe on drugs. He's addicted to drugs or he's on alcohol. And he's got so many temptations, right? He's, he's tempted to get another drink or to find some more drugs. He's, he's, he's got all this distraction. Well, the outer wall is pushing back the distractions so that the inner wall is more effective in praying. So you say, you see, you need both working together. You need the inner wall and the outer wall. You need travail and you need warfare working together. You see how that works? It's so effective that way. But you've got to, and you don't know, one day you might be called to do warfare, the next day you might be called to do travail. But whatever it is, you want to yield to it. Because this is partnering with God. This is God's plan. His plan is right in here for this person, for America. But he needs the inner wall and the outer wall of righteousness to be working together. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Does that kind of make it kind of clear for you? Now, one last thing. We can't and we don't and never will be able to control people, just like that person in the middle. We can't control his decisions, but we will make it so evident what the right direction is to make. So God's plans have always been established before the foundation of the earth. Amen. Before the foundation of time, whether it's for an individual or for a nation. God already had a plan. And let's just say again for the nation of America. When God <clears throat> excuse me, had a plan for America, he established, because God is a God of order, he established characters. Every nation has characters. Some nations have kings. Some nations have presidents. There's different characters. There's governors. There's judges. There's presidents. These are character roles that God has established. I believe that, um, and, well, and then with the character role, he also appointed specific players. 
to play and to fulfill each character role. I believe Abraham Lincoln was an appointed player to play the position of a president. Right. You can go through history, yeah. even up to today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I happen to like Donald Trump. I don't know if anybody else likes him. I just believe, I believe he was called of God to fulfill that. I mean, whoever did so many good things and stood for the church. I mean, I believe, and I still do believe, that was his assignment. And God's not done with that assignment. Um, gosh, I sound political today, don't I? And I didn't mean to sound political. I really didn't mean to sound political. Um, I'm just talking about intercessor prayer for the nation. <laughs> Amen. So, um, for, let's just say, for example, you're going to uh, have a Christmas pageant. So who are the characters? Well, we have Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, the innkeeper. Those are all the characters. So now you've announced to the church we're going to have a Christmas pageant. And who would like to play the position of Mary? Well, maybe Grandma raises her hand. Uh, Grandma, that would not be the right player for that character role. Would you agree with me? Would you, it's the wrong, wrong player. Or maybe the teenager, uh, no, you can't be baby Jesus. You could be the shepherd. You could be the shepherd. Grandpa, no, not Joseph, but the wise man. So you see, uh, today we have a lot of players in the wrong character position. So we can't control people's decisions, but through intercessory prayer, we will get the right player in his God-assigned position. So critical. That's why we pray. I love the scripture that says um, that God will deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men, for all do not have faith. That God is our judge. He will raise up one and take down another. I always pray, Lord, uh, take down the ungodly and put the righteous in his proper position that you have assigned him to be in. You know, it's, it's just, it just it matters that we partner with God. Amen. Is this helping you today? Uh, it's just so important because that is our mandate. God is coming back for a glorious church. A glo it's not going to be one underground church. It's a glorious church. And we are called the Bride of Christ. But we're also called the army of the Lord. And I believe that when God comes back, he's going to find his bride wearing combat boots. <laughs> because we have got to fight. That is our mandate. We've got to fight. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much.